You're listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. For more interviews with many of the world's most inspiring business leaders, uploaded daily, download Tiger Hall from the App Store or Google Play. Do you ever find that you do your best thinking when you're out for a jog or on a leisurely bike ride? Well, there might actually be a scientific reason for that. And for this podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Patrick Gannon, a clinical and performance psychologist researching a new technique tying exercise to neuroplasticity and the brain's capacity for learning and problem solving. Patrick, can you explain this concept? What is the research showing? So this technique is called cardio imagery and rehearsal. And it's a technique that combines moderate cardio exercise, also known as aerobic exercise, with guided imagery. Imagery that the person selects themselves. And they're selecting imagery that optimizes peak performance functioning. That's one of the five different applications of this technique. So, for example, if a musician is wanting to learn some new music, they can exercise at a moderate level, that's a heart rate of 120 to 130, and while they listen to the music or they imagine playing the music, what this does is it lays down a new neural track in the brain. So whenever you learn something new, the brain actually has to create new neural circuits that hold that information. So we are speaking English. We have neural tracks in the brain that encode for English. Now, if we want to learn Spanish, we have to learn Spanish by repeating it. We have to create new neural tracks in the brain to lay down that learning, okay? And then when you are called upon to speak Spanish, you go back to those neural tracks in the brain, those circuits, and that's where you have the, the learning is installed. Basically, it's imprinted into these neural circuits. So the concept of neuroplasticity is that we can change our brain based on how we use our brain. Every time we use our brain in a new way, we're creating new neural tracks, so that's called neurogenesis, which is the creation of new neurons. But when you apply it in a particular way, that's called neuroplasticity. Now, when you apply it in a specific way, an intentional way to learn music or to problem solve, that's called applied neuroplasticity. We're actually using the capability of the brain to learn new things and encode those new things that you're learning by repeating it. The exercise is the driver. It basically activates the brain. It puts the brain into a state of enhanced learning. So by repeating it over and over again, every other day, every other second or third day, rehearsing it, say, seven to ten times over a two- or three-week period, that installs it further and further and further. It's not a one-trial learning technique. You actually have to repeat it several times because we know that the brain learns when new material is presented repetitively over and over again. The, learn, the brain kind of says, hey, this is novel information. This is important because it's appeared again. And so by repeating it over and over again, seven to 10 times, though, is not that much if you're looking to learn complex music. So it's a technique that has immediate short-term benefits in terms of skill development, such as learning a new language, learning music. It also can be used to mentalize about issues that you're not sure about, where you put your brain in a state that allows you to reflect and mentalize about whatever issue you have. For example, in my practice, 
I will think about clients that I'm seeing where I'm not sure how to proceed. I'm not sure about what the dynamics are. By exercising while I reflect about my experience with them and what I, they've told me and what I understand about their dynamics, basically my brain is in a position to kind of create new ideas, new ideas, because what it does also is that it slows down the activation of the prefrontal cortex, the working memory. And working memory has a lot of information, but sometimes that information suppresses new ideas from coming up from the unconscious mind. So by downregulating the prefrontal cortex, we're actually creating the opportunity for new ideas to emerge. And that's how it's applied in a problem-solving mode. Okay, so this can be used both for learning new skills and learning new information more easily, but also for problem-solving, right? Uh-huh. Okay, so can we talk a bit more about the research, what you're observing, what are you observing, what are you doing, and how much do we feel that we now know, and how much of this is still very much circumstantial? Well, you know, a lot of research has been done on the effects of exercise, okay? And there's a wonderful book that we can recommend to our listeners. It's called Spark by John Rady. <laughs> it's a summary of all of the different research about exercise, the effects it has on learning, anxiety reduction. We know that exercises, cardio exercise that is in particular, is good for fitness. What we didn't know is that it has all of these positive benefits in terms of brain functioning. Okay, so in studies linking exercise as well as cognitive capabilities, the researchers such as Ferris Williams Shen in 2007 found that subjects learn new vocabulary words 20% faster following cardio exercise than they did before exercise, and that the rate of learning correlated with the production of a new hormone, a growth hormone called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factors. When you exercise, your brain creates and pumps brain-derived neurotrophic factors. This creates new neurons. It stimulates the production of new neurons called neurogenesis. So what they found was that, for example, older women who lifted weights performed better on cognitive tests than women who did simple muscle toning alone. So these findings show that when you exercise, all sorts of positive benefits are accrued. And the research on the exercise effects are really well established. The evidence is overwhelming that exercise enhances learning. The question here is, how does it work? We know that BDNF is part of the, the process here because we know that exercise stimulates the production of this growth hormone, and we know that this growth hormone creates new neurons, and we happen to know because of the research on neuroplasticity, which has been proven, Eric Kandel in the 1970s got the Nobel Prize for this research. We know that the brain evolves over the entire lifespan of the person. So we know that these neuroplasticity is real. It happens. The brain will grow itself in the direction of how it's used. So it's a matter, this technique really kind of like piggybacks on this underlying research and by selectively putting the brain into a particular brain state that enhances learning, we can then apply it depending on how, what do you want to learn. It's your choice as to what you want to focus on. 
Okay, you mentioned before older women lifting weights in the gym and I immediately thought, oh gosh, well, you know, whenever I go to the gym, there's always music blasting. Is this exercise best done generally in silence or is that music helpful? Is the rhythm helpful or is that a distraction? It's a distraction. You really want to devote your mental space, your your mental awareness to the self-selected imagery that you want to install in the brain. So we don't want distractions. So I never listen to music because every day I go into the gym and typically I use the elliptical trainer, uh, which is good because, you know, you don't have to think very much about pumping away. You just do it automatically. And then that frees up your brain to focus on the mental content that you want to learn. You can also use a stationary bike. What I don't recommend is that you, you know, run on a busy street or you do something like playing tennis that requires a certain mental activity, your mind has to be open, completely open, to hold the mental imagery that you want to install. So one of my favourite things to do in the world is ride my bicycle along the river, which is very peaceful. And there's not very much I have to concentrate on because it's very nice, it's fairly empty, there aren't many pedestrians. But I like to listen to podcasts while I'm doing it. Is that wrong then? Does this mean I need no distractions? I need total silence while I'm cycling. You need no distractions. And actually, if you're riding the bike, you have to get your heart rate up to above 120, maybe close to 130. Now, remember, when you're really pumping on your bicycle really, really fast, it's hard to think about things. It's hard to do mathematical computations because the blood flow in the brain is being redirected to the motor cortex, okay? It's away from the prefrontal cortex, which is the site of working memory. So if you're just kind of going along at a slow pace, you're not generating enough heart rate that will stimulate the production of the BDNF, increase blood flow in the brain that primes the brain for learning. So you have to go fast enough, but not too fast. That's why I say moderate cardio exercise, 120 to 130 heart rate. Can we talk a little bit more about the visualization techniques we should be doing while we're doing this moderate exercise? So if I'm doing my moderate bike ride down the river or if I go for a moderate jog, what should I be running through my head? Well, you want to just continue to rehearse the behavior or the activity Mm. that you want to install, like a loop, like a movie loop over and over and over again. You want to repeat it. So like thinking for the end, right? This is this is what I'm aiming for. Yeah. Um, actually, rather than thinking about it like it's something external to yourself, you're trying to replicate what it would actually feel like to perform that behavior. You want all the senses to be involved. You want an embodied rehearsal of the thing that you're trying to install. If you just think about it visually, that's only one of the sense. We want you to be, well, we, the, the common term these days is embodied. We want you to feel it in your body like you're actually doing it. Okay, you're rehearsing it in almost in real life, but you're not doing it in real life. It's just you're in your mental life, it's real, but you're not actually physically doing it. Now, one thing I also want to tell you that's really fascinating is that when people see other people making certain movements, that their body actually mimics inside their nervous system, mimics those actions. So what happens, we have what we call mirror neurons, mirror neurons, like it mirrors what you're seeing out there. So this is another example of where this technique works, is that by imagining doing something like playing football or playing tennis or, 
you know, learning a language, by imagining it, your body, all of the, all of the brain circuits that support that kind of activity become activated. Now, it's not the same as if you were actually doing it, of course, but there's research that was done where they had 10 people watch these weightlifters lifting weights for two weeks, every day for two weeks, and they simply watched. And there are two groups, the weightlifters and the people that did the watching of the weightlifters. What they found after only two weeks was that the muscle mass in the arms of the people that simply watched increased by like 22%. Mm. The people that actually did the lifting, their muscle mass increased by 30%, obviously because they were actually doing it. The point here is that mirror neurons activate the body in very similar ways when you're watching somebody doing a movement. So this supports the idea of using mental imagery to rehearse the things that you want to learn. So the mirror neurons actually are playing a role here. And I believe, although it's not been proven, that the exercise actually activates some of these mirror neurons. The whole brain becomes a learning engine, so to speak, Mm. simply by virtue of the cardio exercise. You can get some similar effects with weight training, also known as resistance training, but not as good as aerobic or cardio exercise. One one thing I'm wondering, Dr. Patrick, is that if I'm trying to use this technique to solve a problem, I mean, if I have a real problem, it will be very muddled in my brain. I, I'm not quite sure how I would use this to solve a problem. So let me tell you, what you would do is you would get on your elliptical trainer mm. And you would start to, you know, move. You'd get your heart rate up to 120 to 130. And then what you would do is you would park yourself, P-A-R-K. I'm using that word purposefully. You'd park yourself into an overall composite sense of what the problem is or what the confusion is. You basically lightly hold this in mind. And then just be patient. Notice what comes up into your mind. So what will happen is that new ideas will start to come up into consciousness because we've downregulated the prefrontal cortex and working memory. We've stimulated the brain to, you know, create new uh, neurons. We've created new BDNF that's creating new neurons. And so what happens is that you start to get content coming up from your unconscious mind. And you begin to kind of organize it. I'll give you an example. So many years ago, I wrote my first book, and I was really confused. It was, it was a book for adult survivors of child abuse. And that field was very, very big. There's a lot of research, and I was trying to come up with a recovery program very similar to the 12 steps of AA. So I'm trying to kind of pull together all of these steps all of these stages of how people go through recovery from beginning when they first become aware that they experience childhood abuse to the end when they're fully recovered. So this is a lot of information for me to hold in mind and try to organize. Mm-hmm. What I did was I went to the cardio, I went to the elliptical trainer and I just kind of like held in mind all of this information and tried to kind of just sense, hey, what might be some of the organizational strategies of pulling all this information together so that I could identify sequential steps all along the recovery process. And I did this every day for a week and I was taking notes while I was on the elliptical trainer. People must have thought I was crazy, but I was getting a lot of ideas. Mm. And I gradually, after one week, I came up with an organizational system. Turns out that there were 21 steps 
three stages, 21 steps that in my mind, based on the research, based on my own clinical experience, were required for people to recover from childhood abuse. I organized the whole thing while I was on my elliptical trainer in a loose format. And then, of course, I went home and tried to write, write it all down. So that's an example is that you start in this general, you hold yourself in mind about the general topic. And then you just like let the exercise do its magic. Let new ideas come up. And you do it for about 15 or 20 minutes. You hold yourself in that state of reflection. We call it mentalizing. Mentalizing. So it's a good term because that's what we're doing. We're trying to activate our mental functions to provide organizational structures that support the learning. Patrick, one thing that you'd mentioned to me before the call is that this technique could be used for procrastination. Right. Could you, I think you had a story about this. Well, every, every um, April, usually the first two weeks of April, in the United States, the tax deadline is April 15th. So typically every year, <clears throat> I get a couple calls from clients saying, I hate doing my taxes. It's like really kind of bothering me. I just can't get to it. I'm procrastinating. I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm not doing it. Can you help me break through my procrastination? So procrastination is the behavioral manifestation of a particular psychological defense called avoidance. When people avoid things, they avoid for a reason. They avoid it because they don't want to feel the way that they would feel when they do the behavior. And any time they feel uncomfortable with doing something that they don't want to do, such as doing their taxes, they've learned the habit of avoidance. And then, of course, it manifests as procrastination, where behaviorally they do not do the work. So here's how we use this technique to deal with this. I have them go to the elliptical trainer or a stationary bike. I have them imagine the steps that they need to take in order to compile their financial information. Either they're going to do it themselves or they're going to send it off to their accountant. I have them imagine, just imagine, doing those steps. Okay, so collating their invoices, you know, putting information together, you know, collecting receipts and everything, organizing their financial information so they can give it. By simply imagining it, them doing it, what it does is it allows them, it makes it easier for them to go home and actually do it. So how does that work? We know that avoidance and anticipatory anxiety, which is also activated here, they're anticipating doing the, the tax prep, they get anxious or they hate it, they avoid it. We know that by imagining doing it, they actually push through the front-loaded avoidance, okay? So by imagining it, they reduce the apprehension that they have. We know that exercise reduces anxiety. It reduces the tendency to avoid it. And it, it's something that they can do. When I say this to them, they simply say, but it's not the same thing as doing my taxes. I say, well, this is a preliminary step. If you do this step, it's going to be easier for you to do the actual task, mm. okay? So, but they might have to do it a few times, okay, repetitively, because it's not a one-trial learning thing. They might have to kind of go through this imagining, preparing their taxes. But just by rehearsing it, mental rehearsal, 
because of the mirror neurons, we know that their, their body is actually jumping past the avoidance. The avoidance is like a wall. Once they, once they start to avoid it, they don't do any work on actually dealing with the task because they're avoiding it. So by doing this kind of mental work, it, it lowers the wall. It makes it easier for them to actually go ahead, push through, and actually do the task. All right, Dr. Patrick. So for the listeners who want to try this, perhaps this weekend... Can you give them an action plan? What should they be thinking about? What could they do wrong? What should they do? Well, first of all, they need to select uh, what they want to work on. What do they want to work on? What do they want to learn? What do they want to figure out, problem solve? What's the goal here? What's the task? What's the thing that they want to install in their neural circuitry? Okay, that's the first task. Uh, Then they want to think about that when they're doing the elliptical or the or the um, the cardio exercise, either on a stationary bike or elliptical trainer, I think is best. They want to think about that. They want to do it for about 15 minutes. They're going to repeat, repeat the imagery. Imagine themselves doing the task. Imagine themselves, uh, you know, exposing themselves to some new learning. Thinking about a problem. Uh, if they want to learn a language, thinking, listening to the language, they want to kind of like put themselves in a learning position, trust that the exercise will actually enhance the brain's capacity to learn. And then if they do that every second or third day, only for 15 or 20 minutes over a two-week period, they will find that it's a lot easier. They've learned it. They've learned it. It's a lot easier for them to repeat whatever it was that they were focused on. They will feel... Uh, reduction in apprehension or anxiety in the case of procrastination. They'll find all sorts of things. The other thing that this thing does is that it will flush up other reasons why they might be avoiding something. Other reasons, other factors may come into mind because basically it's activating the, uh, you know, the unconscious mind and the unconscious mind knows a lot. And sometimes it doesn't give that information up so easily. So what this technique does is it kind of opens up the unconscious mind a bit and exposes you to things that maybe you're not ready to face. All right, Dr. Patrick, this is so fantastic. Thank you so much. I I already know what I'm going to be doing this weekend. I'm going to be in the gym, silently visualizing my receipts. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you so much.